0: My name is Adrian Goldberg and welcome to the Byline Times podcast. The Byline Times, it's what the papers don't say, what radio doesn't report and what telly doesn't tell you. This time, Shamima Begum, the so-called ISIS bride who quit her home in East London to join the Islamic State group at the age of 15. She's now appealing at a special immigration appeals tribunal against the decision to deprive her of British citizenship in 2019 by the then Home Secretary Sajid Javid. Shamima is living in a refugee camp in northern Syria, pending the outcome of the appeal. MI5 and the Home Office say she remains a threat to national security. We'll be hearing from Rabina Khan, journalist, former special advisor to the Lib Dems in the House of Lords, one-time local councillor in Tower Hamlets in London, and author of My Hair is Pink Under This Veil. She believes Shamima Begum is a victim. Before that though, just let me tell you about the Byline Supplement, now available at Substack, which has exclusive content that you can't get anywhere else, including episodes of this podcast. It's new, it's exciting, it's the Byline Supplement over at Substack. Get more information at bylinesupplement.com. That's at bylinesupplement.com. Welcome then, Rabina. Why do you think Shamima Begum is a victim?
1: The first girl, Shamina Begum, in December 2014 left the UK to go to Syria, and then her friends Shamima Begum, Amira and Khadija also then went in February. And then in March of 2015, four girls were made wards of court by a judge who believed that these children would be at risk of radicalisation. And my concern had always been, how could it be possible that from one school and from one year group, these intelligent young girls who had the whole world at their feet decided to go to Syria? of which four went, and four were made wards of court. And it really disturbed me to realise that something had gone wrong, somewhere along the line, someone had accessed the derm. And there are arguments, the fact that they were intelligent, they knew what they were doing, but in the eyes of the law, they were 15 at the time, they are dependents. They were dependents at that time, they were children, and we need to look at them in that respect. And that, for me, has been a sticking point. We never had a serious case review in Tower Hamlets and the special case review doesn't exist anymore. But at the time, we should have had that because that would have given us information. It would have given us direction as to what led these young girls to go to Syria. Who gives up safety, security, their family, and then just goes? When I saw those grainy images of Shamima, Amira, and Khadija, I was struck by how young they looked. And One of them reminded me of my younger daughter. And I looked at them thinking, what would I have done if I had seen my daughter on those images? What went wrong? One morning, they tell their family they're going to school, the family assumes that they're going to school. And then a couple of days later, they are all over national and international media.
0: Do we know anything about the radicalisation, which is alleged to have gone on involving these girls? Do we know if there was an individual or a group who were in some way grooming them and encouraging them to go to Syria?
1: Partly one of the reasons why I keep calling for a special inquiry into this is to identify and to piece together all the information, all the events leading up to these young people, young women, young girls, children, However people are going to describe them, at the end of the day, they are still children. What led them to that situation that they wanted to leave? And we don't know that. I think by having that inquiry, we can not only gather the information, protect young people at risk of radicalisation, but also understand what led them to go to Syria, but protect the public at large. And I think that is what we should be doing, not fixated on stripping her of her citizenship. Samantha Knight representing Shamima Begum in the tribunal that's taking place, put the argument forward that Begum was recruited, transported, transferred, harbored and received in Syria for the purposes of sexual exploitation. And my issue here is that we never explored this avenue. We assumed That's it. She was radicalised and she went off and that's it. We never looked at the fact that she could have been a potential victim of grooming, child grooming. And we haven't gone down that investigation. And the other argument that's been made in this hearing is that when Sajid Javid made his decision to strip Shamima Begum of her citizenship, he did so in haste and he was predetermined. And these are the words that have been used in the hearing. And In making that decision, did he actually investigate additional information and proceed to look into further investigation as to whether or not there had been a high possibility of Shamima and her friends being at risk of child grooming, human trafficking? None of that had been explored. This time last year, interestingly, when I was a councillor, I wrote to the chief executive of Hamlet's requesting again for either an inquiry or a serious case review, and he replied back saying that the case review no longer is in use. But because of our, my concerns, and I consistently have requested for investigation, he said that he would respond to me with a substantive response within six weeks. To date, the chief executive never replied. And my whole situation is, why has the local authority, the police, the government not looked into this at a much greater detail?
0: Andrew Drury, who is the journalist who tracked her down to the refugee camp in Syria and who has interviewed her many times, has said that he's shocked by these claims of sex trafficking because he says that in all the times he has spoken to Shamima Begum, she's never once mentioned it, he said... There was no sex trafficking, no radicalisation took place. He said that based on the interviews that he's conducted with her, that she sought a life with ISIS. She looked for it. Now, it should be said that Drury is generally a sympathetic ear to Shamima Begum, but he does question the validity of that claim.
1: So my question back would be, is a man who went to interview this young woman Who's now 23. At the time she left, she was 15. And there's a witness in the hearing who similarly has said that she was very intelligent at the time when she made the decision. She would have been aware of her critical thinking. That's how he describes it. But however, we were all at the age of 15. I was intelligent, but we also do very strange things when we're 15. Our emotional intelligence has not fully matured. When we first saw Shamima, plastered all over her television. How did she look? She had a baby in her arms. She was covered in black. She had the black veil. She had the burqa. What does she look like now? She is finding herself. She may have been in a position where she didn't want to say the things that she wanted to say. That Somewhere in the line, her lawyers are making this argument because clearly they're having conversations with her, the conversations which journalists may not be privy to. We don't know what those conversations are taking place. Has she had a psychiatric assessment? No, she hasn't. We haven't seen a psychologist come and talk to her. We've seen lots of journalists and often male journalists going to talk to her. I haven't at this moment seen a Muslim woman in hijab go to talk to her say for my borough, to Hamlet. what would be her response? If it was someone like me, for example, asking or just trying to talk to her, what would have been her response? These are the things we have to remember. A period of time, we have seen Shamima come out of herself. She's a different person. I was in an interview with another journalist who at the beginning had argued similar, saying that she can't be returned. She isn't apologetic about what she's done. She's not sorry for what she's done. She doesn't seem to understand. How do we know she wasn't in post-trauma shock? And we see these changes taking place. I would say about the journalists who interviewed her initially, look how the changes are taking place. We are journalists, we are writers, we are not medical assessors, not psychologists, so we would not be able to give that assessment.
0: Earlier this year, it was reported that a people smuggler who worked for Canadian intelligence was responsible for helping Begin and the other girls Into Syria. This was based on a report from Scotland Yard. So there are question marks there. And people might say, well, if anybody was responsible for encouraging a 15 year old girl to leave home, to enter a strange territory where she then entered into any kind of sexual relationship, whether or not the child consented to it at the time, if they were a child, and this case were proven that would amount to sex trafficking.
1: Yes. You're saying it was Canadian government and all of that. And my point is, well, why haven't we questioned all of this? Why haven't we questioned the local authorities? Why haven't we questioned the Canadian authorities? Why are they not in the hearing? Where are they in all of this? All these witnesses are coming forward. Why is our government not questioning the Canadian authorities as to what they had involved in the Shamima's case? Why is it, for example, that at the time when Sharmina Begum left from Syria and Shami Begum, in her absence, the police began to question young people. They questioned Sharmina Begum and Amira and Khadija. And they also gave them letters asking them to give those letters to their parents in order for them to be questioned. That's a police error, Dean. You and I, we were all 15. We wouldn't give those letters if we knew we were going to get into trouble. And we had planned already to leave our homes. We wouldn't do that. So that's an error on the police. They have apologised. Had those letters got home, then their parents, the families, would have been aware of this. And on my final point, in March 2015, four girls from the same school were made wards of court. But the judge referred to those young girls same age as the other girls, age fifteen, he referred to them as children. He referred to them that I am so worried about these children; they could be at risk of radicalisation. I need to make sure that they are made waltz Of course, their passports were removed, and that of their family members.
0: There does appear to be an incredible lack of official curiosity. You've got four girls, four young women heading off to join ISIS. You've then got four other girls who the police managed to intercept and effectively make wards of court so that they can't go off to Syria. So that's eight girls from the same academy who are all showing an interest in going to join ISIS. Half of them successfully go, half of them are intercepted. Is there no official investigation at that point to establish why this is going on, why these girls all from the same area, all from the same school, at the same time are being radicalised, or apparently radicalised.
1: I then followed on to that. I tried to bring this into council motions. I tried to bring this into overview and scrutiny committee. I wrote about it. I spoke about it. I was on radio about it. The government was fully aware I was talking about this. There was no interest from the government or the local authority, it appeared to me, that they wanted to know the truth. We need to find the truth. We need to find that information, not because it's all about this or that. It's actually to protect young people from further risk of radicalisation and to protect the British public.
0: One of the reasons why this is such an emotive story is because it involves the group calling itself Islamic State, vile terrorist bombers and murderers, the people responsible for the Manchester Arena bombing, amongst other things and that's why i think it's so easy for people to whip up animosity against shamima Begum because she through whatever means appeared willing to go and join this group that's part of what makes her such an unsympathetic character i think in many people's eyes and i'm not sure that she's fully acknowledged the horrors of the organization that at that stage was willing to Subscribe to
1: my point is what would happen if she came to this country because she said i need to help the police she said that i want to help the authorities to tackle terrorism she's trying to almost say that i will give you information maybe she can't give it because she is in that camp she is at risk and she said something very important last year she said i was so dumb enough to join this organization It reminded me of how my daughter might just suddenly say, I was so dumb enough to do this. There's this element of immaturity still in her from the teenager that went to Syria. She's had three children. They died. She has gone through emotional trauma. We don't know what she saw out there. And I am reminded of when she spoke to her sister through, I think, a journalist who was listening she spoke about wanting to come back and her sister said, you won't be able to come back, the borders are closed. And she was saying that she was scared and it was really very traumatic to listen to that. And so Khadija speaking to her sister and saying that she's scared just reminds me of what is it that they're not going to tell us? When someone is abused, often they keep that to themselves. They can't say it until they get to a safe place. We don't actually know the full extent of what Shamima knows until we get her into a safe place where the security services, we need to monitor her to keep her safe. If she needs to be in a prison in this country, that information she has is so vital to this country in terms of protecting our borders, protecting our society, our communities, protecting the public and protecting children and young people.
0: Can you understand why Sajid Javid made the decision that he did when he did? Obviously, we'd had recent attacks like the Manchester Arena bombing. He would have been under severe political pressure to show that we as a nation were not going to tolerate members of our own country going off and fighting for Islamic State. And perhaps he wanted to show as well other young people, that there would be consequences if you chose to go off and support ISIS.
1: Yes, I do appreciate, and I appreciate where he was standing. But in his position, he should have ensured that he checked all the facts, he investigated everything. He's come under all this political pressure, he's listened to the media. People are calling her to be stripped of her citizenship, she's not allowed to come back. He's made the decision. What he failed to do was carry out an investigation as to how she became radicalised. He didn't carry out an inquiry. He could have. He could have gone further to find out, well, actually, this is quite interesting. As we've just discussed, eight young people from the same school, from the same year. There's something wrong here. There must be people still out there in these communities who are accessing young people. So he failed because he made the decision but subsequently didn't seek to investigate further in order to make sure that we could have been saved, we could have been saving further young people from becoming radicalised.
0: Shamima Begum was born in the UK, much has been made of her possible ability to claim Bangladeshi citizenship. I'm not sure about the value of that, really. I mean, to me, she was born in Britain. She is Mm -hmm. British. And however vile her views may have been, or indeed may still be, if she's a British citizen, surely it's our responsibility to manage her, to, if necessary, punish her, but ultimately to deal with her.
1: She was born here. She's British. Why are we then pushing her onto Bangladesh, where she wasn't born there, we shouldn't be taking that decision. And I think that it's important to make sure that she's tried in this country under British law, and she's punished for the decisions that she made. But in the same process, we can also identify what has been happening within the journey that she took to get to Syria.
0: Rabina, thank you. I think it's really important that we hear all of these arguments in the round. That's Rabina Khan, journalist, former special advisor to the Lib Dems in the House of Lords, former Lib Dem councillor in Tower Hamlets in London as well, and author of My Hair is Pink Under This Veil. I'm Adrian Goldberg. You've been listening to the Byline Times podcast. We are funded by subscriptions to the brilliant Byline Times newspaper. That comes out every month. You can take out a subscription for as little as three pounds a month. Get more details over at our website, bylinetimes.com. That's at bylinetimes.com. As I say, if you buy that fantastic newspaper, you are also helping to support this podcast as well. And don't forget, if you like this content, there is much more of it over at our new Substack. Head over to Byline Supplement. That's bylinesupplement.com. I'm Adrian Goldberg. This has been the Byline Times podcast. We'll see you again soon. Cheers now. Bye-bye.